This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. That's right. Around the Rim is back with a new episode. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, joined, as always, by my fabulous producer, Tarika Foster. And the WNBA playoffs are here. We've been talking all season about how we were looking forward to this new format. Well, the first round of single elimination games are done. Uh, we are looking ahead to the second round. After that will be the semifinals where guess who's waiting? The number one seed, Minnesota Lynx, as well as the number two seed, L.A. Sparks. So with that, let's just jump into the action. First quarter. First quarter. Fans, it is the first quarter, and as you know, that means we are going to blow the whistle, and we are excited as we continue our WNBA playoff journey to have with us um, one of the most respected and successful coaches in the game. He's a guy that I love to talk to whenever he comes to Atlanta because I always learn something, and he's not only on top of what's happening with his own team and organization, but a wealth of knowledge across many levels of basketball. Please join me in welcoming to the show the head coach of the Washington Mystics, Mike Tebow. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, we're excited to have you because you have great insight and you are going to help us break down some of what we've seen in the first round of the WNBA playoffs. But first, let's start with your Washington Mystics. I know that you fell just short of making the playoffs with a young team, a young injured team um, this year. But for the fans, just give us your capsule of kind of what this year was like for you and what you expect moving forward. Well, the only word that keeps coming back to me more than anything else is disjointed. It just seemed from the very start, um, for the first time since I've been in the league, I guess, that the whole year seemed that way. We started the year with injuries, um, and it and went from bad to worse. So, um, And I don't like using that as an excuse, but it does have an effect. Uh, we started the season playing with nine players, waiting for some people to get healthy. And about the time we did... We had more unusual ones, uh, concussions, kidney stones, um, injuries that, you know, weren't the normal thing. And it's just, it just kind of snowballed for us, and it's disappointing. But given that, you know, the way things have turned out, uh, falling just short, uh, had we made the playoffs, we would have been playing with nine players. Maybe it's time for this franchise to, you know, see what the lottery brings. I'm not a big, you know, favor of... Uh, of purposely getting there, but we are there, and maybe it's an opportunity uh, to find another young player that can help us in our growth. Yes, and, and you know, it, it's interesting. You don't have to say that it's an excuse, but I can tell you from talking to other coaches in the league that the first thing they say to me when I ask them about, you know, their success is always, well, number one, we stayed healthy. So that's a very important part, and especially when you have a young team that's get, trying to get used to playing uh, together. I mean, gosh, to to lose Ivory Latta, to lose Bria Hartley, um, you lost just about everyone on your roster from one time or another, uh, Tier Ruffin Pratt, I know. I mean, no one, it yep. seemed like, was healthy for the complete season. So uh, we will look forward to a bright future for the Washington Mystics and also to see what the draft lottery holds for you guys. Is that Are you guys in that top four this year? Are you <coughs> yeah, trying to are. remember in terms pick, of your so, position? Uh, you know, the year I got here, they had just had the lottery with the best odds and finished fourth. So we have the fourth best odds. We're hoping for first. <laughs> 
Yes, we will all be watching. So now we want to talk WNBA playoffs. And I am going to start with, um, I think, a surprise to most in the first round. And that was that the Seattle Storm, they came in as the seventh seed and playing very good basketball, uh, picked up the Atlanta Dream in that first round. And the Dream had kind of struggled down the stretch. Uh, they ended up in that sixth position. But to most surprise, they were able to upset Seattle and advance to the second round. So let's start off by listening to Angel McCautry, who had 37 points in that game, talking to our very own Holly Rowe. Well, four times in the last seven games, you've gone 30 or more, but tonight was truly special. How do you take this team on your back time and time again? Well, my back hurt right now. Lord have mercy. Um, just the will to win, you know. Just We have a young team, and sometimes I know I get frustrated, but I love these girls, and they, they work hard. So just try to will, will them to win somehow. How important was this to get this win and continue through these playoffs to get your team back home with Tiffany Hayes rejoining you Sunday? Well, we promised Tiff that a playoff game, so this is important for us. And, um, you know, Seattle was a team to beat. They were playing very well, so it was a good one tonight. You'll have to play again Sunday. What happened in that collision? How hurt are you? Uh, I knocked the wind out of me. I couldn't breathe for a minute, so it kind of shocked me a little bit, but I'm going to be okay. All right. Thank you, Angel. So with that, you heard Angel McCautry talk about, um, who, in a very Angel McCautry-like way, she did take the team on her back. She had 37 points. It was her fifth career 30-plus point game in the postseason, her fourth 30-point game in her last seven. So she came in on fire. Um, you know, and, she, and they didn't have Tiffany Hayes. To be honest, I did not give Atlanta a good chance of winning that game without Hayes and Sancho Little. Mike, you know Atlanta very well. You also know Seattle. Uh, what was your opinion on what happened in, in that first-round matchup? Well, I was surprised, given how Seattle was playing and without Tiffany Hayes, without Sancho Little. Uh, I thought it was going to be a lot to ask, particularly trying to get the matchups uh, right with Stewart. Um, and having to, you know, kind of juggle how things went. But I thought, number one, um, you know, when you play against Angel, first of all, uh, nothing she does now uh, shocks me. I mean, we were one of the victims of those 30-point games down the stretch, and we devoted a lot of attention to her. And she just makes tough shots with a hand in her face. And I thought that was a special performance by her. Um you know, I mean, I know a lot of people saw Seattle as a favorite, but the fact of the matter is Atlanta was playing at home. Um, they have some, you know, players uh, who are used to that kind of, you know, competition. Uh, but I thought one of the one of the key things was that Elizabeth Williams uh, stepped up and negated Crystal Langhorn for the most part. I thought their interior defense because of that was really good. You know, it forced Seattle to play on the perimeter. And then, you know, Sue Bird and Kalena Mosqueda-Lewis did not have good shooting nights. Part of it was Atlanta's pressure, and part of it was I think they got kind of thrown out of their rhythm. And I think the thing that, you know, that the, was the biggest thing was the adjustment that Michael Cooper made at halftime to go to the zone. And I never thought that Seattle got a rhythm with it. He boxed one, he played a straight zone, and, um, you know, it kept Seattle on the perimeter. The, the inside game went away. And I think that was a big turning point in the game. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, they did a good job of keeping Seattle off balance. You mentioned the shooting of Sue Bird, who was 5 for 14 on the night. She was 2 for 6 from three-point land. Kalina Muscetta-Lewis, who had started to get her rhythm in the second half of the season or post-Olympic break, was only 1 for 4. Seattle shot 30%, and the 3 is so important. 
to what they do. And Elizabeth Williams, you said it, 16 rebounds for her. It's a very young team, but you're right. The zone, the boxing one kept Seattle out of that rhythm. And I thought Bria Holmes was another bright spot. She had 21 points, seven rebounds. I think she's coming along well as a a rookie. And you tell me this, Mike, because I say this all the time. Uh, The six-foot guard is at a premium, you know, that can play that 3-4 spot. We see Maya, we see Simone, we see Angel McCautry. I think it's Bria Holmes' physical makeup that first impressed me, and now she's just gotten better with her skill. No question. I mean, she was on our draft board as among the top 15 players in the draft. Uh, We looked hard at different players in, you know, the last two years. We've taken two six-foot-plus wing players in Natasha Cloud and Kalia Copper. Uh, Holmes is probably closer to 6'1". You know, you have those kind of players coming into our league in there, and they're really hard to find. And you need those kind of players to match up, uh, like you said, with the Maya Moors of the world and Angels. And and I think that that kind of player uh, is going to be in demand uh, over the course of the next few years. Uh, Fortunately, I think for our game, uh, the collegiate game is starting to produce a lot more of those players, bigger guards who maybe, you know, seven or eight years ago, people would have tried to make into, you know, small college post players. And uh, now they're getting to play their natural position, and we're starting to see that blossom in our league. Great, great insight. So Seattle season is over, and uh, an exciting one it was. You know, didn't start out very well, but gosh, can't say enough about the play of Sue Bird, who was fantastic. Brianna Stewart, Jewel Lloyd was much better across the board. So we'll be looking for a bright future for them. Now, fast forward to Sunday's matchup, 1 o'clock Eastern, ESPN2. Round two for the Atlanta Dream will be at Chicago. Now, Chicago is without Atlanta Deladon, who was still out with her hand in- injury to her shooting hand. Uh, will not be available, as I'm told by Pokey Chapman. Um, give us your preview of what you think the keys will be for this game, Mike, and who do you think will win it? Well, I think this has always been an interesting chess match uh, between these two teams, but partly because of the uh, Deladon-McCautry thing. You know, uh, Pokey has always tried to put a lineup out there against Atlanta where she can avoid uh, Elena having to guard uh, Angel. And what Coop has done often is he's tried to, you know, match up his his lineup or sub so that that Chicago gets stuck in that matchup. Now it's kind of gone out of the chess match. So now I think the next thing you debate is, you know, Pokey down the stretch has played that smaller perimeter lineup with, you know, Cappy and Vandersloot and Quigley uh, more together. That used to be kind of a finishing group, and now it's more. But then there's been nice. He's gone out and played a huge lineup. Um, I think mm-hmm. that the, the interesting part for me, looking as a coach, is which way is she going to decide to do this on Sunday? Is she going to play small and kind of more match uh, Atlanta, or is she going to be big and see if she can overpower Atlanta? I think Atlanta's just going to do what they do. I think they found success with the lineup uh, that they played the other night. With Hayes back, that'll give them more firepower. I think you could see Angel at four like they've done before uh, and get that lineup with Angel, Holmes, um, you know, Clarendon and Hayes all on the floor together. That's their best scoring lineup uh, without Sancho. So 
I think it's going to be a chess match trying. You'll see one team sub and another one try to get an advantage by subbing differently. I think that's going to be an interesting part of it. And then, you know, without Deladon, you're taking a shooter off the floor. It'll be interesting to see if Atlanta stays with the zone a little bit more on Sunday. Yeah, that was what I was thinking about as well. It, will they continue with that zone? And Michael's been, um, you know, pretty effective down the stretch and throwing it in there here and there just to give teams a different look. But going back to your point, yes, Tiffany Hayes will be returning. Interested to see how she will respond to the suspension. It's almost like when we were waiting to see what Draymond Green was going to do um, coming off of his, you know, do you try? Do they try to do too much? Much? Does Hayes try to exactly. overplay and take herself out of it? Um, is she not? Is she rusty from you know not being in the mix? Is that other group not used to having her on the floor now that they've had success? So I'll definitely be looking at that in the regular season. Um, Atlanta won the series against Chicago two to one. They played way back on May twenty second, where the Dream won eighty seven to eighty one. They played on June seventeenth. That game was in it again in Atlanta. June 17th, they played in Atlanta again where the Dream won 101 to 97. So a lot of points scored. That was in one overtime in that game. And then the last matchup between the two, Chicago won 90 to 82. But Elena Deladon had 34 points in that game. She had 26 in the previous game and she had, let's see, 16 and the one before that. So she's always a factor and changes how you do things. But keep your eyes out for Cappy Pondexter, who obviously has WNBA championship experience. She's home in Chicago. I think she is really fired up for an opportunity to keep things rolling because they've played well without Deladon down the stretch of the season. Granted, they've played some teams that have rested folks and, you know, obviously some things like that, but they still look good. I think the pace of the game, now that they're not standing out around watching Elena in ISO positions, uh, possessions is better. Uh, they're running more because they are smaller. As you mentioned, Mike, you know, they've got Faulkner and they've got, you know, Cappy's bringing the ball up sometimes more often now. Um, you know, they've got uh, Quigley. So the pace of the game, I think, is different. But you mentioned Angel McCautry, and I'll, I'll finish on this point. Watching Tamara Young play against Angel McCautry is always one of my favorite matchups. You know, I think Tamara yep. has the size. She's she's tough and just like McCautry, and they seem to really have a lot of fun <laughs> challenging each other when these two teams come together. So I think wherever Michael chooses to move Angel, I'm pretty sure that Pokey will have Tamara Young somewhere close. So we will look to see what happens in that game. And right now we are going to move to the next big matchup as we head into the second quarter. Second quarter inside the huddle. All right. So our second quarter is designated to talking about Saturday's matchup between the New York Liberty and the Phoenix Mercury of all teams. New York has been waiting in the second round. Of course, they finished third. Uh, Phoenix just came off a huge win at Indiana, putting an end to Tamika Catching's uh, career, which was, I know, a very sad moment for all of us, but a great career she did have. Mike, I'm going to kick it to you to start us out on this. Uh, your thoughts on, on Phoenix advancing out of that first round? I think they're the scariest unknown team. Not unknown. They're the scariest team to play in the playoffs if you're a high seed and you're saying, geez, the Phoenix, you know, Mercury are the eighth seed. That's a tough one because, you know, as as many people did at the start of the year, they were picked by a lot to win the championship. 
they've struggled all season, particularly on the defensive end, and probably a little bit with, you know, offensive chemistry, trying to figure things out. And all of a sudden now, here you are in New York, who has been, you know, locked into their seed for almost a month, it seems. And now you're turning around and you're facing a team that most people would say on any given night can beat anybody in the league. They have, you know, Olympians all over their roster between, you know, their Americans and their foreign players. They've won the championship two years ago. And you're thinking, my God, we got to play them in a one-game elimination. That's 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 the nightmare part of this playoffs uh, for coaches. You know, New York's worked like crazy to get where they are. In in two hours, it can be done. Uh, I I don't know that I could make an easy prediction on this one, but just based on offensive firepower and talent, Phoenix brings as much as anybody in the league to the table. And New York's, um, you know, a little bit beat up. Nobody knows if Stokes is going to play. Uh, Tanisha Wright is just coming back from injury. Uh, it's it's going to be as hard a game for a higher seed on their home court as anybody could have. Yeah, I mean, this is really scary. And you you hit the nail on the head. Like, Phoenix is that team that we're like, whoa, what is going on with the Mercury all season? And here they are, you know, with a chance to, I mean, in a win or go home situation, I mean, Diana Taurasi is fantastic with her back against yep. the wall. I think now she's 5-0 and in an elimination game on the road, and that is just outstanding. So they are very scary. And what I saw happen in that Indiana game is this. You know, when you allow Diana freedom, when she is able to control the game, both where they're scoring and her assists, she gets the team involved. She gets everyone excited. That's really when Phoenix is at their best. And you add to that a Brittany Griner that I thought worked really hard for a position. Um, you know, Indiana decided not to double her for whatever reason. You know, they wanted to let everyone else kind of get there. You know, they wanted to keep Diana out of the mix is basically what they wanted to do. So Brittany went one-on-one all game long in the post. And what happened, I felt like, was in the second half, Phoenix's defense improved, and, and Indiana has not been consistent on the offensive end. They forced right. Indiana to shoot from the outside. Those shots weren't falling. And DeWanna Bonner came alive. Again, Brittany, Diana, they just got the right contributions at the right time. And you're saying to yourself, here they are in a tough road environment, a team that has struggled all season. And they, they looked great. They looked like, uh-oh, you don't want to, yep. <laughs> you don't want to play the Phoenix Mercury. But what you said is, is, is correct. You know, I think my concern for New York is they, had so many inconsistencies down the backstretch of the season, mostly because of injuries. I mean, Tanisha Wright, also Kia Stokes, you know, uh, Bill Lambeer had to move things around just to keep it afloat, but they got out of a rhythm. Now, some good things did come of that. I thought Brittany Boyd had an outstanding stretch after the playoffs. You know, they had some other players step up and get more experience, but we also don't know exactly what Prince will be able to give. She's, uh, she's a Prince. wild card in this game, no question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what in your opinion, or, or how could she change what happens in this matchup? Well, I think it forces Phoenix then to make some defensive choices. If Prince is ready to go and she can score and they can put a lineup with her and Sugar Rogers on the court together or maybe Zealous out there, then you have more firepower for New York. Because right now, the way they have been constructed, they're trying to win a lot of games out of necessity on the defensive end and then hope that Tina Charles can carry them, you know, 
beyond what the, the numbers say they might be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that New York can, better than most teams, uh, negate the, the, the Brittany Griner factor, but I think it's the Epiphany Prince, Zealous, or is, is somebody there going to step up and make big shots uh, to keep Phoenix honest? Uh, you know, again, I think it's an offensive team in Phoenix against a defensive team in New York. Um, and then if Phoenix decides to bring their defensive presence, which they don't do every night, but if they do, you know, in this game, then then I think they have the edge. Yeah, it's all about what Phoenix Mercury team will show up, right? And, and to your yep. point, that's what we saw happen last year to New York in the playoffs. They ran out of offense. I mean, I remember one of the last questions to Bill in Beer in a huddle was, where are you going to get scoring in this fourth quarter? Because Prince was having really, I think, her worst playoff showing. Um, and then, obviously, you can't ride Tina Charles the whole way, and especially if Brittany Griner is on the prowl in the paint. The thing about Phoenix is they've got size at every position. They can do a lot with their length, and I thought that impacted Indiana the other night as well. You know, Indiana plays a very small lineup, a small backcourt, and I just didn't – I thought that Phoenix size got to them. But you're right. Epiphany Prince is going to be a big part of what happens. Now, looking at the series between these two teams – in the regular season, wow, you talk about some high-scoring games. So, <laughs> And that could be fun in Madison Square Garden always. So their last time playing each other was, it looks like September 3rd, the score was 92-70. to 70. That was at MSG. New York won. They scored 92 points. And that's a lot of points for New York, um, especially because Phoenix is also good at scoring the basketball. Now, Prior to that matchup, they met again, let's see here, on July 1st, where New York won 99 to 88 at Phoenix. Um, and again, that was, you know, how inconsistent Phoenix has been this year. It's always so interesting when they lose at home. Um, and going back to their first matchup this season, it was Phoenix Mercury 104 to Liberty 97. So. They have had some really good games, um, high-scoring games, intense games. And when you have two competitors like Tina Charles and, and Diana Tarazi, and, of course, I didn't mention overtime in those situations. It wasn't, they weren't all in regulation. Um, but it should be a really, really good one. So what do you see happening? you got to give us your, your predictions. Atlanta, Chicago, and then I know you said you couldn't call it, but you got to give us either Phoenix or New York. Well, I think uh, I, I personally think Phoenix is going to be the better team uh, if their defense shows up. I just think that the, the game that they played New York near the end of the year, I thought they didn't even show up at all. They almost looked disinterested for part of the game, which is a bad indictment. But we're now we're in the playoffs. You know, Penny Taylor's on her way out. I think that you know they're going to they're going to you're going to get Phoenix's A game tomorrow. Um, you know, I you know New York's in our conference, but I just think Phoenix right now, if if the health is the same as it's been the last two weeks, they have an edge. The Atlanta Chicago one, um, I, I give a little bit of an edge to Atlanta uh, on experience because without Deladon, you have some players on Chicago. Uh, even though you have Cappy and Vandersloot and those guys, I think you have a lot of players, particularly up front, that don't have the same experience. You know, mm-hmm. Imani Boyette, it's her first playoff game she's ever played. Uh, Cheyenne Parker, mm-hmm. um, you know, has not played a lot of minutes in the playoff game. Um, 
probably Jessica Breland's going to have to step up if the front line's going to step up to the task. I give Atlanta, it's, it's funny, I'm picking two road teams, but I'm just doing it by just a slight edge. Yeah, well, that's how good this league is. I mean, it, it's not always about home court advantage. And I honestly said, Mike, when I heard about the new format, I said, listen, the team that can win two single elimination games is going to be a dangerous team headed into the semifinals because yep. you've just rallied to win two games with your back against the wall. That's a team that's going to have been feeling really good. So if that ends up being Atlanta and Phoenix that advance, I, that's going to be dangerous, you know, for, for L.A. and Minnesota who are waiting. The, the other psychological factor in all this is that there's more pressure on the home team in these single elimination games than there is the road team. The road team is kind of playing with house money in a sense. They're not expected to win. I think that psychological factor has a lot to do with it. That is a very good point. And that's why we have you here, because you can give us the great coaches insight. <laughs> well, we appreciate your time, Mike. Uh, thank you so much. Again, so much respect for your knowledge. And hopefully we can have you back before the playoffs are over. Sounds good. Thanks, LaChina. Fans, stay right where you are. In the second half of the show, Chastity Melvin, former WNBA All-Star, is going to join us to tell her what her thoughts are on this year's awards, as well as what she is up to in the basketball world. We'll be right back. Third quarter, scouting report. Fans, welcome to the third quarter. And for our scouting report, we have a, a very special guest, a return guest, to around the rim, and yes, 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 she is back. Chastity Melvin, uh, WNBA great, former All-Star. Really, I think most fans um, remember Chastity from her time with the Washington Mystics, but she did play for the Cleveland Rockers, also Chicago Sky. Please join me in welcoming Chastity Melvin. Welcome, Chas. Thank you. Um, hi, LaChina. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Well, thank you for coming on the show. We always like to have players' perspective, and even when it's former players, especially when it's former players, because you understand so much of what's going on. So it's WNBA playoff time, and we just had a great talk with Mike Tebow and his thoughts on what's going on um, on both sides of things. We want to talk to you a little bit more about WNBA awards because there has been a lot of conversation, controversy, all of the above, on what people think will happen this year on the awards front. So... I would like to know. Let's start with MVP. And you just tell me who's your WNBA MVP and why. Well, first I got to go with uh, Diana Taurasi <laughs> just because she's just worthy to talk about. But, no, really, um, more, Diana's – Wait, 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 wait. Are you throwing Diana out for your MVP? I mean, we need to clarify what's going on here. What's no, this? I, just, I had to throw her out there because she's my favorite player in the league. That's all. So you're basically saying that, that Phoenix is going to upset New York? I do believe they will upset New York. I do. Okay, good. I'm glad but we got that the, established. Okay, so we got Chastity's pick on file, on record. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that if I if I had to give MVP to a player, I would probably choose Agoma K. And why um, is that? Uh, she's just been so consistent, and she plays undersized in her position. And she's just so dominant. She's tough to guard. You know what you're going to get every game, game in and game out. And she's just been phenomenal all year long. And that's why I would give it to her. I agree with you. Don't worry. When I don't agree with you, we are going to argue. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that moment. So, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, who did you have? Defensive Player of the Year, 
I like Andrew McCautry for Defensive Player of the Year, and I don't know <laughs> who would agree with me on that, but I like I like I like Angel. I would give her Defensive okay. Player of the Year. Right. I know that's weird, so you but think she, no, it's, but it's okay. She's always one of the best in the league in steals. She's um, she's a headache. I mean, I think most coaches in the league would say that they run their plays away from McCautry because she's so good at shooting the gap. Uh, really aggressive, and uh, she's a ball magnet. So I'm good with that. Now, I am going to argue with you on this one because I did pick Sylvia Files for my defensive player of the year. I just think she plays on the number one defensive team in the league, you know, and obviously she has blocks and defensive rebounds, and she's also been very good in the steals category. And at 6'6", you know, looking at the makeup of the Minnesota Lynx, they're not the best defensive team on the perimeter. Like, I think Cheryl does a great job scouting report-wise, but just in terms of – uh, mobility, youth, you know, don't tell Lindsey Whalen and Simona said that, but I just feel like, um, you know, they rely heavily on Syl to kind of be that reinforcement in the paint, and she has been outstanding in doing that. So, all right, we're one and one, we're one and one. So who was your pick for most improved player? Most improved definitely goes to Elizabeth for Atlanta Dream. Yeah, yeah, she has been really special. Yeah, I love the way she's playing in the post. And I just love the way she's been aggressive. I always liked her at Duke. Uh, I felt like they should have used her more in the post. But I always feel like they should use post players more. So I'm biased in that's, that category. That's how, we're supposed, that's how we're supposed to feel, Chastity. I, I'm, um, I'm right there with you. But um, I just love her game this year. I don't know if it was just the new system or exactly what happened, but she's played well. And uh, yeah, no. definitely very – Elizabeth Williams is very very deserving of most improved, but so are a lot. Most improved can go to quite a bit of player, you know, a lot of players, because the WNBA players do work on their games in the off season and really work hard on improving their games, and so um, it could go to a few players. But of course, I'm going to go with the center, Elizabeth Williams, <laughs> for the Atlanta Dream. <laughs> yes, I like it. ACC post players sticking together. Okay, yeah. so moving, <laughs> I got Elizabeth as well. All right, so moving right along, uh, probably no debate here, but Rookie of the Year. Uh, well, hands down, it's going to Brianna Stewart, but I love Bria Holmes. Bria Holmes is really good, isn't she? <laughs> when I tell you, just watching her the other night, and um, in that playoff realm, single elimination, she was so aggressive. And just the way she could rebound the basketball, the way she scored, she wasn't intimidated at all. She played like she'd been there before. And I love when I, I love seeing players play like that, not intimidated uh, and, and just up for the challenge. I, I think that motivated her teammates. I think they fed off of her en- energy along with Angel, but, I mean, they're used to her just dominating scoring-wise. But I think of, uh, all her other teammates fed off, her, off of her energy. Yeah, and especially without Tiffany Hayes, they needed her to really step in and take somewhat of a veteran role. And, I mean, being here in Atlanta, I've just seen her grow so much over the course of this year. But especially coming off of the Olympic break, she worked a lot on her game. She put a ton of work into working on her mid-range, being able to take contact around the basket. I mean, she used to carry the load at West Virginia. So she is, um, you know, no stranger to the big moments and being relied on heavily. I think she's finally just found her way. And Michael Cooper's about defense. And there are not a lot of six-foot-one 
wings. You know, she can play power yeah. forward. She can play small forward. Um, and those are the players that are at a premium in this league. You know, we were just talking to Mike's funny you say that we we're just talking to, to Mike Tebow about that. So um, I am in agreement. Brianna Stewart by a landslide is uh, the rookie of the year. Let's say coach of the year. Would you go with Cheryl Reeve or would you go with Brian Agler? Would you go with someone else? For coach of the year. You know, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I, lo- I love what Cheryl Reeves is doing, but, you know, her players, she has that same crew <laughs> every year. And, that, I mean, that's no knock. That, that's hard to keep them fired up and keep them motivated and, and wanting to win and wanting to have that challenge. But I, I like what Michael Cooper's done with Atlanta Dream because when I was in Atlanta and I started going to the first couple of games, I'm like, who are these players? What, where is, who, is, who is this team? And I think he's done a phenomenal job with getting them here to the playoffs and the players are gelling together and coming together and playing his system. So I don't know. I would throw Michael Cooper in there with, with those two. And obviously Brian Agler has done a great job with L.A. But I think they've just finally gotten to a point where they understand how they have to play together and how they have to, you know, they're tired of losing. They're tired of almost making it because almost doesn't mm-hmm. count. So I think they came back with a, a chip on their shoulder, especially Candace Parker, for various reasons, you know, being left off the Olympic team and all sorts of things. So I think they were a very motivated group as well. But I just think Atlanta Dream finding themselves back in the playoffs, and I do have them beating the Chicago Sky. You know, I just think he's done a phenomenal job. Oh, you you called out two upsets now. (laughs) Yeah. You first went with Phoenix, now you're going with Atlanta, huh? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, Chicago doesn't have uh, EDD, and players can step up, but at this point, they're going to need somebody that's going to say, Angel, what you can do, I can do better. And I'm not saying that, you know, the Chicago Sky can't gel as a team, and it is is single-game elimination. So, you know, Chicago Sky does have home court advantage, if I'm correct. Yeah, you're right. And so Angel is – I just don't see Angel not coming through with another big performance. Yeah, I mean, one of the matchups I know everyone is looking forward to is is Tamara Young against Angel McCautry because they always play so well against each other. Like, you know, Tamara's a great defender and Angel, you know, obviously a great offensive player. So I think it'll be up to Tamara to try to slow her down, but wouldn't be surprised. Let me tell you this. The Atlanta Dream has been in three WNBA finals and been the underdog I'm sure most of the time when they've gotten there and maybe not yeah. by record, but it's just that people don't expect them to win. And I, and I say this all the time. I think angel is under appreciated, under acknowledged and that people like to put her in that underdog position and it gets you in trouble every time. Cause when her back's against the wall and people don't believe in her and don't think her team's going to win, that's when she wins. So yeah, I, yeah, so who are you going with? Who are you going with Latina? No, no, no. I was going to say, so I wouldn't be surprised if they win. Um, you know, I, I really think this is a game that could go either way. Um, yeah. But I say the team that wins a single elimination game without one of their starters, like the Atlanta Dream did without TV Hayes, that's a confident team. Um, and now they get Hayes back, so they're going to be even better. All right, so now that we have talked about basketball, we've got your predictions on file. We want to talk about chastity and some awesome things you're doing off the court. So with that, we're going to head to the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. Out of bounds. 
Now, Chaz, I am always impressed with all of the ways that you stay giving back to the game, even since you have retired from the WNBA. Uh, this summer, you worked at the NBA Retired Players Association. You're continuing to work with that group. But you are now a part of the KYAL Cancer Fund. Um, obviously, being an NC State great, I'm sure this is something that's near and dear to your heart. But obviously, the KYAL Cancer Fund was founded uh, to honor the memory of Kay Yao, uh, your late great coach there. So fill us in on kind of first, I guess, what you what your role is now with the Reti- Retired Players Association and what you'll be doing with the Kay Yao Cancer Fund. Okay, really quickly, Latina, I first I want to say congrats to Swing Cash and Tamika Catchins, Penny Taylor. They'll be joining me in career transition, post-playing post career days, and I just want to welcome Yay. to that world. Welcome them to that world. Um, Dele- it, wait, wait, you got a couple other ones, too. You got Delisha Milton-Jones and Jane Appel Marinelli. Yes, Jane Appel, officially. Milton-Jones. Uh, oh, she's official now. I don't even know yeah, if she's I'm official. official. Like, I just couldn't sign the papers. It was like, you know, I had divorced it. I had a divorce, but I didn't want to sign the papers. I just wanted to be separated. You haven't signed your papers yet? I, I'm not even sure wow. about it. you're not retired. Yeah, you can get picked I didn't up. Want it. Yeah, I didn't want it to be final. Wow. We're still in love. We're still in love. We're still together. (laughs) (laughs) You and basketball never break it up. I I got that. I get that. (laughs) But um, seriously, though, um, uh, transition was just challenging because for me, I just felt like I had all these plans. I knew what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And then it's just like I really had to deal with letting basketball go. It was very hard to let basketball go. And not so much basketball. I think it was just the feeling I had. Like every time I tried something or <clears throat> tried a new career, I wanted that same feeling that I had from playing basketball. Like I wanted to have the same passion. It's got to feel this great. And so I kept looking for something. And, and then I realized there's nothing like playing basketball. <laughs> like there will <laughs> nothing. be nothing. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like it. There will be things that I enjoy doing, and that's good. And that's that's what it should be. So um, fortunately for me, I. I I didn't want to go right into coaching because I had so much tunnel vision. I played basketball for 14 years. So basically I've been playing all my life, you know, from AAU to college, year-round, overseas, WNBA. So I kind of wanted a break, and I wanted to challenge myself with either just doing commentating or actually getting in the corporate world in a way. Like I wanted a challenge to see if I could do it. I had a big fear of, like, can I even work in an office setting? So I took um, – mm. I'm a member of the National Retired Basketball Players Association. I took an uh, internship with them which I had to really humble myself to do that, although it was paid internship, but nothing big. And I got my foot in the door, and I learned a lot. Got a lot of valuable experience in Chicago at the offices and learned a lot. And I worked with uh, WNBA membership. I also got to learn about sponsorships and just different companies wanted to work with retired players. So it just, mm-hmm. you know, made me think outside the box. I finished the internship, and I was able to stay on as a consultant, so I still consult with them, and I'm still hoping to develop that that membership so other players can come. Because the WNBA, I've, I've had a lot of fans talk to me at the games, like, where are all the players? We see you. Where are the other players? So hopefully the, the National Basketball Retired Players Association can have that community where we can get the former players back out there making appearances and doing certain things. So uh, I'm really excited and really passionate about that and, and finding those former players and talking with them and just getting them back more involved. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so important because retired players have been a huge part of the foundation of the WNBA. 
with this being a tw- the 20th season, I think more than ever, we've thought back on our memories of our favorite players, our favorite moments, and they are like, where is everyone now? You know, and I think also yeah. the current players need the retired players. Like they need to learn from your transition. They need to learn from what you guys learned when you were actually on the court or things you wish you would have done. So I think you're getting that talent in one spot and, and having a, a place where uh, everyone knows that they can get access to, to former WNBA players is big. So where should fans, if they want to connect with the, uh, it, the NBA Retired Players Association to find out about WNBA players, where's the best way for them to do that or how? Well, they can, they can visit the website, which is legendsofbasketball.com, and they'll find mm-hmm. all our social media feeds, uh, um, and they can follow us on there and keep up to date with news because we do a lot of full-court press clinics around different areas. I, I think we're having – and obviously we do a lot of stuff um, at the All-Star game, which they took out of North Carolina, which I was really excited about because I just moved back to North Carolina. <laughs> and uh, but, Yeah, right. <laughs> that You know, we make plans and God laughs at us. I don't know what he's paying me back for on that one, but I'm like, really, guys? Like, I'm here in North Carolina. But anyways, um, yeah, they can go to legendsofbasketball.com, and they can also follow us on Twitter, and it's at WNBA alumna. So, oh, okay. So, but they'll right. find all our social media stuff if they visit there. And obviously they'll follow me. I'll be posting articles from time to time and just, you know, keep everyone informed and obviously try to find, keep finding former players. And where can they find you on Twitter? Where can fans find you? Uh, fans can find me on Twitter at Chastity Melvin. Everything is at Chastity Melvin, Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter. So wherever, okay. wherever they – yeah. Just they my, can find you in your sports blog, chastitymelvin.sportsblog.com, which we all enjoy. Yeah. You can find you there. Yeah, so please follow me. Oh, I always so you, I'm coming out with my first book in November. It's called At the End of the Day, and it's a, it's a devotional for young athletes. So I'm excited about that. major. Add author to the list of things that Chastity is doing. Wow. Yeah, that's, now, how long did now, it take you to write? It took me three years to write it and get it finished and published, and I'm self-publishing, and it was one of my biggest fears uh, besides working in an office setting. <laughs> so now I'm overcoming two of my biggest fears, so I'm well on my way. And, and you mentioned I'm, I'm back with the KL Can- I'm, I just joined the KL Cancer Fund staff, and it's very surreal because I'm in charge of communications, all the media and the press releases, and I've done a lot of research on my former coach, Kayal, and it feels like I'm getting mentored by her again in a surreal kind of way. And that's what I really needed when I retired. I always planned, okay, I'm going to retire, I'm going to go back and coach under Coach Al, and then she'll mentor me and just have that kind of perfect little thing. (laughs) But, you know, she passed away, and I lost my mentor. Now it's like I'm getting mentored and I'm trying to really – you know, do do the best job here in honoring her vision in the fight against all women's cancers. So, and I, I get reunited with college basketball because we have our Play for K games coming up, college basketball season, and we just partnered with the NCAA with free throws for K challenge, which is really big. Oh, what's that going to be about? Players, fans, and coaches will sign up to shoot free throws during a game during halftime. Or before halftime, they can shoot their free throws, and it's $4 every time they make a shot. So how many ever free throws they make, they donate the money to the KL Cancer Fund, and then the person that makes the most free throws will uh, get tickets to the Women's Final Four. 
So it's really being oh, really wow. used. I'm kind of excited because I've played overseas for so many years, and you, you and I have talked about it. That's why I kind of cover professional basketball. I kind of got away from watching college basketball. So this year I'll be back in tune with it, you know, <laughs> watching our play for K games, and I'll be more familiar with the rookies coming into the WNBA. Oh, wow. That is awesome. And I know that Debbie Antonelli, who's also a former NC State uh, Wolfpacker, um, was is very involved with the KL Cancer Fund. Yeah, she's as on well. the board. It's, yeah, she's on the KL Cancer Fund. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's great to see. Like, um, you know, we all loved Kay. If you played against her as a player, you know, she was coaching at NC State when, when I was there, when I was at Wake Forest. And whether you played against her teams or you coached with her, I've never heard a bad word about Kay out. And if anything, it's always just been how humble she was, how kind she was, how giving she was. So it's only appropriate that all of us do what we can to give back uh, to the Kay out Cancer Fund. So fans, please make sure you're continuing to visit. I believe it's KayoutFund.com. Is that right? It's KayoutFund.com. Just KL. Oh, Okay, great. Yeah, but our Twitter our Twitter feed is at KL Fund. So that's at KL F U N D. And um that's our Twitter and social media feed. But the website is KL.com. And, you know, any uh, you don't have to be a college team to, you know, have our biggest fundraiser is play for K. So we've had soccer teams have a play for K game, softball teams, you know, and that's what Coach that that was the big vision for a play for K game. She wanted to unite players, coaches, teams, and schools in the cause, and and so we named it just play for K. But yeah, she's inspired so many people. It's so surreal and just talking with people and people calling me and just there's so many great stories about her. So I have a lot of pressure to get the job done here. <laughs> it's like I got I feel like I got to make it to the final four in my first year instead of my senior year like I did at college. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it though, Chaz. You can uh, do it. If anyone it's can, we have faith in you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for all that you are doing. And before you go, just one more thing. Um you mentioned the group of retirees, Penny's still playing, Swin is still playing, but Tamika Catchings did lose in the first round of the WNBA playoffs and retired. Um, just give me your perspective as a player that's played against her, with her in the league, um, of of what Tamika meant to you. Tamika just meant to me, she meant consistency. Uh, she, just her invaluable leadership. Every time I know when I played, I didn't play the guard position. And she was kind of, you know, 3-4 position, but I would say, Follow, mimic what Tamika does. Watch her game. <laughs> Learn from her. That's what I would tell my guards. Why can't you be like Tamika? <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you know, we all be more like Tamika? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like, and then I would have to get on them when we, whenever the guards would play. The, all, every guard I know hated playing against Tamika. They hated yeah, playing against she, her. And so, yeah, I would relentless. try to motivate them yeah, in some type of way. She was, yeah, she was relentless. And, um, everyone's going to miss that. And I, like when I said congrats to Mika on Twitter the other day, I said we're everyone's going to miss miss the catching fever. You know, it, yeah. it, she was just aggressive, relentless, and just played all the way out to the end. And so yeah. um, you just remember. But everyone says she was a great leader, and obviously everything she does off the court. With her and her sister, they're 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 great people, great family. So, um, she will be missed. And um, but she's, I'm sure she's going to do great things uh, after the game. And uh, look forward to seeing where she ends up. 
Yeah, we will try to. Uh, I think we're going to try to get Tamika on at some point and give her some time to get past retirement. We won't annoy her yet, but definitely uh, not too long after the season to get an update on exactly what she thinks she'll be doing. She could do anything she wants. I truly believe that. But I know she's talking yeah. about being a GM, also wanting to be a, a mother. So there's a family component to that now that she's married. So, Tamika, thank you so much from all of us. And fans, with that... That is the end of our show. We want to thank Mike Tebow, also Chastity Melvin, for coming on. And make sure you continue to support Around the Rim. You can reach us on social media, hashtag Around the Rim. I am at LaChina Robinson. Our wonderful producer, Tarika Brasby, is at SheKnowsSports underscore. She's not talking this week because she has a cold and she sounds awful, but she is with me. So I didn't want you guys to think that she wasn't here. So thank you so much. Continue to go to the ESPN app, download us on the listen tab, and that's Around the Rim. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.